Welcome to the BioTalent Social Podcast Series. Our socials are for anyone interested in topics around life sciences. Wide-ranging discussions are led by a panel of market-leading experts offering sharp, focused insights on the issues of the day. Today's discussion explores neurodiversity in life sciences. I'm your host and chair, Darren O'Connor. I build quality teams with local seed to Series C biotechs in Boston and the surrounding areas. And today I am joined by Christy Mazzarisi, Senior Director for QA Compliance at Mersana Therapeutics and Chair for Women in Quality at the ASQ. This discussion will explore neurodiversity in the workplace and how businesses can do more to break down barriers and drive diversity within the life sciences arena. I am joined today by Christy Masarisi. Christy is a current Senior Director for QA Compliance at Mersana Therapeutics and Chair for Women in Quality at the ASQ. She's also a fantastic advocate for the Tourette's Association of America and has her own YouTube channel where she aims to raise awareness for Tourette's and mental health within life sciences. Christy, thank you very much for joining us. No, thank you. I'm very happy to be here and you know, have this chat with you. I'm really excited about today. So thank you. Brilliant. Well, look, let, let's get things started with a quick introduction, you know, for, for people that don't know you. Why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and your journey into quality? I am currently um, a senior director of QA Compliance. So I lead and build while well, I'm building and leading a team, um, all things compliance. So I am in pharma and biotech. Uh, most of my career um, has been in manufacturing quality. I enjoy it. Um, I love watching drugs get made from start to finish. It's very adrenaline pumping for me, I guess you could say. Um, I enjoy solving problems. And part of what I do is looking at problems or looking for problems and then trying to solve them, kind of like a private investigator or a detective is how I like to think of it. <laughs> so I really enjoy that part, you know, makes me feel like I'm giving something special, right? Making sure oh, yeah, yeah. that the public has good, safe medicine, right? And that hits home for me because of my children. I have two boys who have Tourette's. So me mm. being in quality really relates back to them. My whole journey in quality has been about making sure they have good, safe treatments and medicine, which then translates to making safe medicine for people in general. That's pretty much how I got into quality and why I do what I do. Nice. That, that's a massive motivate, motivating factor, isn't it? The fact you do what you do, where the end goal is it's going to help your family and going to help your boys moving forward as well. Yes. And I figure Love even that. though I'm yeah. just one person, you know, it really only starts with one person. So be the change exactly. you want to see, right? <laughs> exactly. No, brilliant. Love to hear that. And, you know, that, that, that's kind of what we, go, what we want to go into, you know, the whole topic of threats in the workplace, neurodiversity. Um, May, as we probably all know, it, it's Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, it's a month where organizations need to show that, you know, it's okay not to be okay to take care of your mental health. And organizations, I think, in more recent years, have really started to take mental health a lot more seriously. But I feel like there are still a lot of hurdles that we have to overcome. Uh, there are still barriers that we need to break down to eradicate any stigma associated with neurodegenerative disorders and with mental health. Um, and this is where neurodiversity becomes so important. So I know you kind of touched off it briefly there, Christy, but to you, what what is neurodiversity to you and why is it so important to you? So I did touch on it a little, but um, yes, I would love to expand on that. So the way I explain it, and I try and explain it in you know simple terms as possible, is that neurodiversity is how individuals' brains function differently 
than someone else's, right? So it could be from more of the aspects of mood, social ability, uh, critical thinking, learning, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, and typically when someone says neurodiverse, they refer to the autistic spectrum of disorders. So yep. Tourette's being one of those, um, ADHD, dyslexia, dysgraphia, and many more disorders, right? They all fall within that neurodiverse population. Um, and really, in simple terms, it's just about explaining that we all think about about the same situations differently. And there's no right or wrong way to view the world around us. So um, that's kind of how I explain neurodiversity. But to me, it's really important because of my own personal challenges with my two children with Tourette's. Because um, not only do they have that, they have a lot of co-occurring conditions with the Tourette's. So anxiety disorder, OCD, which I think is actually harder than Tourette's sometimes with my children. But it sits on that autistic spectrum as high functioning. So my children are part of that neurodiverse community. And they are my why and my purpose and really everything that I do and everything that I spread. And I feel that it's extremely important to spread education about acceptance and acceptance in the neurodiverse workplace. And that looks a little differently depending on where you go, but it's really all about fostering those people's special abilities that they have and giving them the tools that they need to succeed in the workplace. Absolutely. I think it's definitely something that's really not implemented as much as it should be right now. But I feel that the big goal here, especially for you, is that when it gets to a time where your boys are going into work the workplace, we would hope that we are in a much better place and we are a lot more, I guess, open and appreciative of, of the neurodiverse community. I guess just on that, you know, you're in a senior position, you've been on the side of hiring, etc. From what you've seen, what are the common issues that you've seen associated with neurodiverse people and what strategies can we implement to overcome these issues? So, um, yes, I have seen, so not um, necessarily always on my specific team, but with the adults that I know through all the things I do with the nonprofits that I volunteer for, um, I've seen, I've made a lot of friends and adults who are in the neurodiverse community, um, and I have hired some in the past. And I noticed that when it comes to hiring, you want to try and avoid certain things. So group interviews are not always good for everybody. You know, when you have the panel interviews and there's five, Absolutely. six people there, yeah. that can really be difficult for some of the more neurodivergent individuals, um, especially if they've never met all of you before. So I try to avoid panel interviews in general, actually, um, where I can. Yeah. Um, and also group projects, that can sometimes be tough. I've seen that as some common challenges. Sometimes you have two sides of the story. Some people like to lead, um, want to try their way first, and then you have other people who really are afraid to speak up over others because of an unconscious bias that they've built against themselves because of their disorders. Um, and that can be very frustrating. So on both sides, also constant rescheduling. That's been a, a challenge that I've had adults come to me and say, hey, you know, we can't constantly change things. Um, it's getting in the way of my pr productivity. Very frustrating. So that's been actually a big request that I've seen actually more recently in the last couple of years, I think, than ever. I think maybe that's because we've moved to a lot of virtual working over the last two years um, due yeah. to COVID. So I think that can be where that's come from. But it can lead them towards demotivation in the workplace if you do some things that are against the way they think and the way they react. And again, not everybody fits into all of these buckets. There are exceptional circumstances. But those are some of the common issues that I've seen and really a way to 
overcome those is to avoid the panel interviews or send interview questions in advance. That gives those people a chance to be comfortable, get over with the anxiety, uh, be able to confidently answer the questions and share their experiences that are related to their career and whatever goals they have for that new hire. Also training, again, training and education, having an organization that trains on diversity and inclusion and acceptance is going to remove a lot of the uncomfortable situations from the workplace or from the hiring. That's, I think it's all about teaching each other. And that really, once you explain the why, why this happens, what neurodiversity is, and the purpose of being accepting and the type of tools that we can utilize, I think that's going to go a long way. So how how can organizations go about hiring for diversity and for neurodiverse candidates? You know, I think, to, to, to be honest, I think the quality industry is quite diverse as a whole, but you know, not every industry is. You know, there are industries that are quite imbalanced when it comes to not only male and female, but people from neurodiverse backgrounds and that, et cetera. How can organizations go about hiring and including people from when it comes to gender, when it comes to neurodiversity, and when it comes to diversity? What advice would you give? How do we, how can we go about hiring? So I think from my perspective, uh, when I hire specifically, I look at the whole person. I don't actually look at any of those questions that um, you may have to answer, you know, the male, female, the yeah, you know, all the little tick boxes that you have to check, you know, when you fill out an application. Um, I don't really look at any of that when I hire somebody. I Their resumes, I, I look at that as an initial scope of does this person have the technical expertise, but I don't rely fully on a resume. I feel that that doesn't give you a full picture of who is that person. Okay, you'll understand if they have the technical skills, but what about the other skills in life that you need, the human social aspects? The technical skills to me are easier to teach. The more social skills and social aspects um, are a lot harder to teach. And I feel that some of the more neurodiverse individuals, they tend to have better perseverance than most people. Um, More grit, I guess you could say. And that's what I look for. Who can persevere? Who has grit that no matter how many times they fail, they're going to keep going, right? People who are honest and give direct feedback, um, I can say, especially like my kids, they have no filter, right? It comes out exactly how they feel it. And sometimes we need that in the workplace. because a good a lot thing, of people yeah. Sugarcoat, right? They don't want to tell you they found a problem. They're afraid. I think I look for these people who are not afraid to say, this is how I feel and this is what I see and this is who I am. And I think those are the skills that are harder to find that we need to look for more of. I think we're so worried about the technical pieces, not realizing how easy that yeah, is to yeah. teach versus the I, human skills, the more the empathy, the directness, those other things, those are harder to come by. So I think that's what yeah. we need to be looking for when we hire in the workplace. I think we're just, uh, I do agree. I think people are kind of getting a lot more, they're looking at a resume, they're looking for buzzwords. And even in the interview process, they're saying, tell me about an example where you did X, Y, and Z in the workplace, you know, and less so on someone's tenacity and someone's resilience. Do, do you mm-hmm. think that based on what you've seen, do you feel the working world and the interview process is coming more in line with this, like interviewing based on on skills, based on personality, based on perseverance? Or do you think there's still a lot of work to do to get that message across to hiring managers? So I do still think, from what I'm seeing, I still think there's a lot of work to be done, but I think we're moving that direction. Um, I know that's most of the things that I look for, especially as we get more senior into the job role, because it's going to become more about you know, working with a purpose, 
um, working to coach, developing the future talent. And um, I see the whole workforce actually shifting that direction. And I really, I think that in the next five years, you know, the nearer future, we're going to see a lot more of this where people are looking for more of those skills rather than the technical pieces. Good. Okay. So let's talk about, we spoke about sort of the interview process, the hiring process, what people can do better here to, to support neurodiverse candidates. But when it comes to neurodiverse co-workers, people in the workplace that you're working with on a day-to-day, sometimes it may not be obvious if somebody has OCD, if they've got autism, if they've got Tourette's. Yeah. I guess in the workplace where your colleagues are neurodiverse, what can people be doing to support them in the workplace and make sure that they are comfortable in the workplace? So that's a great question. Um, and I had this conversation with a couple of old coworkers not too long ago because they're going through some similar, similar challenges. I honestly think it's just, to me, it feels so simple, maybe because I'm so used to being, you know, around my children all the time who I've had to learn. And I will tell you, it was not easy. It took a lot for me to learn how to adapt and how to handle certain situations. There's no book on it, right? But I think about in the workplace, if you could just be an open-minded person, that's going to help. And try not to judge somebody off that very first initial meeting or maybe those first few meetings. Get to know someone a little bit first and dig a little deeper um, because at face value, yes, you're not going to notice right away, oh, that person has Tourette. You may not know for a while because they could be holding it in, right? Or even OCD. It may not come out right away. So being more open-minded, watching what you say, you know, and being honest and direct. Um, I think clear messaging is key too when you're talking to other folks in the workplace, just in general. I think in any relationship, being open, honest, and direct is the way to be, right? Um, And I think that's going to help avoid challenges in the long run. And being open for new ideas um, and open and supportive of somebody if they are having a bad day. Like saying, hey, how are you doing, you know, and to your coworker in the morning, even just to, you know, anybody in general, not necessarily just someone who's neurodiverse, but just that check-in, the check-in process, especially if you're a manager, I think that that check-in process is really important to gauge how your employees are doing. You know, are they feeling okay today? Um, Is everything going good at home? I think we need to start looking at the person beyond the workplace because a lot of people say, oh, you leave your baggage and leave your home at the door. That doesn't happen. Everything comes with us wherever we go. So I think it's important to always do a check-in. Yeah, looking at people more than, as more than just colleagues, but as human beings. Yes, yep. And, Is you it, know, as humans, we like to share. So asking how someone was, how was their weekend? You know, what did they do? Yeah, What's their yeah. favorite thing to do? Simple things. Exactly. Talk to them like they're your friends. Exactly. You know? <laughs> and you make friends along the way, you know. <laughs> what, what do you think? Because, you know, you said... Um, be more open-minded, you know, talk to people, ask them questions, be direct, etc. Is there anything companies could be doing, like from, let's say, a board level, a managerial level, mm-hmm. what can companies be doing more of to kind of educate their workforce on neurodiversity and on how to support their neurodiverse co-workers? Like what can we be doing more of at, at more of a top level, in your opinion? So for me, I believe a lot of change really comes from the top. Um, That commitment of, you know, this is what we want the organization to feel like and to be like and to grow towards. So, again, diversity and inclusion being one of those things, it really needs to be voiced from the top. There needs to be a commitment that comes down to the organization. 
And that's how you gain your buy-in from all of your employees. I believe in diversity and inclusion. I think besides your typical training that you should be doing on diversity and inclusion to begin with, I think there's uh, collaboration that you can do with some nonprofit organizations that specialize in neurodiversity or diversity inclusion in general. There's so many nonprofits that you could work with that would love to come in and support an organization, um, foster those values and learn how to support each other. And usually when you work with these nonprofits, it's usually free or at very, very low cost to your yeah. budget. And they're very ready to jump in. So from my own experience, even though my children are not yet in the workforce, I know they will be one day. So I have started the change a long time ago. Um, as soon as I knew my kids were diagnosed, I started collaborations with nonprofits. So I am an advocate for the Tourette's Association of America since my kids were diagnosed many years ago. And through that, everywhere that I've worked, I've had lunch and learns all about Tourette's. Lunch and learns oh, about okay. how we can help these people, how we can help them in the workplace, what it is, what you need to look for. You know, and these companies, they're happy to come in and do those lunch and learns or bring in tools. Um, I've also had them support my community. You know, they're, they'll give the law enforcement a package and they'll train them on Tourette's and OCD um, so that I know when my kids are driving, if they get pulled over, there won't be any issues because, you know, the law enforcement, at least in my area, will be have been trained yeah. they know yeah. right um it's all about education and training and i think like you said how can the people at the top train their employees better in this and i think it's really collaborating with those nonprofits. that's and a huge help yes yeah. yes i'm just thinking if there are hiring managers that are listening to this podcast and they're thinking i want to do that you mentioned the Tourette's Association of America. What other nonprofits would you recommend that people should be reaching out to to bring them in and deliver that training so sometimes there's um, more local chapters. So the Tourette's Association of America, for example, is the national um, chapter, but um, yeah. like I also work with the New Jersey Center for Tourette's that's more local to where I reside and live. Um, I work with both. When it comes to neurodiversity on its own, I've tended to focus on the Tourette's side of things. So I'm not too sure, um, but I know, I know for a fact there's some, I've seen them as I've Googled things along the way. I think if you just looked yeah. it up, you can yeah. find nonprofits that focus on neurodiversity. And I'm sure I could reach out to the Tourette's um, Association and also ask them for some links and I can always share that. Absolutely, yeah. I was gonna say, is, is there any recommendation you'd make, i.e. If, if there's someone listening to this that says, I want to educate my staff on Tourette's, I wanna get the Tourette's Association of America involved, what's the best way to go about contacting them out of interest? Um, So I think their, web, their website, they're really um, easy to get a hold of. If you go nice, to Tourette, okay. it's, and it's simple, it's Tourette.org. Um, and they have a lot of resources right there that you can use if you're, a, if you're an educational professional, if you're a doctor, if you're a student, if you're law enforcement, they have it all there and listed for you. And then yeah. they have to contact us and they respond quickly. And if anyone did need to and you, you want to share my information, I'm happy for people to reach out to me on LinkedIn and I can also support them from that perspective. Brilliant. Okay, I'll be sure to put the the link to the website and the link to your LinkedIn as well in the um, in the show notes for this. But um, okay. So you mentioned, of course, you want the workforce to be in a better place when when your boys eventually do go into the workforce, right? So you know, starting from today, how can we improve the workplace and the workforce to support this next generation of neurodiverse talent that is coming in? So again, and I and I, I say this a lot, and I say this a lot even in my day job. Um, education, 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 it is key. And it's not just training. 
I try to separate the two, but it's more education. It's educating everybody, whether you're neurodiverse or not, um, all on the same things, the same message, having clear messages in the workplace. What I see a lot now, too, is social media posts from organizations on neurodiversity, on the culture in their workplace, on acceptance. Even silly little things like that go a long way in building the brand for your organization. So, and not the brand as in I make great medicine, right? It's, that is key, but it's also the brand that we are a great place to work because, because why? And what is your mission and how can all of us align to that? And how do you support acceptance um, across the board? And I've seen a lot of companies putting a lot more out about mental health awareness, um, especially now. Yeah. And just that it's, you know, it's the month for that. Um, you know, I'm putting out their take on neurodiversity. I think sharing, putting it out there, that will help build trust for people saying, oh, look at this company. I want to work here because they are already doing all of these great things for diversity and inclusion. And I will feel comfortable there. So I think that's really more around putting it out there to build that brand, teaching yeah. and educating and collaborating with those nonprofits. I think those are all great ways to at least start that path and then making sure the commitment really comes from the top brilliant yeah and re really changing changing that future landscape for the next generation of talent moving into the workplace yes yeah brilliant <laughs> brilliant well, one of the final questions then i guess just on that the landscape for the future regarding neurodiversity across the life sciences industry we're very we're very confident we're very optimistic that it will change what does this change look like? What, what does the future look like to you, the future workplace? So honestly, I think we've already been changing for the good. And I think it's, and I honestly believe that COVID has helped accelerate these types of changes. And changes really? that okay. help them. Yes, from the remote working perspective. Yes, I think so. I think it's really changed what work looks like. And for the folks who are in the neurodiverse community that do need some additional tools or flexibility, I think COVID has accelerated that because work today does not look like work did a couple of years back, right? We are yeah, working in yeah. flexible environments, which is what those folks need. They need flexibility, right? And they do need some extra tools. Like, can I work from home? Can I shift my hours? You know, some folks who are, let's say, bipolar may have medicine that doesn't let them wake up as early. Maybe they can have later hours, right? Things like that. I think that's all very accepted, at now and whereas years ago maybe not right that was <laughs> like what are you asking? three years ago yeah working remotely right? three years ago people would think you're mad it was yes, never or, or even like <laughs> shifting you know shifting the hours right or yeah yeah taking a half day and then maybe taking a break in the afternoon and coming back in the evenings like those yeah. things are more common now than they ever have and they help with that inclusion piece mm -hmm. um for the neurodiverse community because they now are able to make work fit them instead of the other way around. Um, and I think that's a good thing. And I think we are getting there. Um, I think it's just about having the right tools in our toolkit as an organization and carry those along with us. And what does that look like? Because I think everybody needs a set of tools, right? And I think we all yeah. might need something different uh, to succeed in work, whether we're neurodiverse or not. I know I need a certain set of tools to help me, whereas you know, my kids, they need a whole different set of tools. You know, yeah. But we all need something to succeed. and. I think the future of work is going to be more flexible. I definitely don't see it being in an office all the time. And I really backwards see, if it was. Yes. And I see it leading, you know, whereas work's going to be more 
leading with a purpose and more of that coaching mentality than it is the way it used to before. So I think we're going to, we're going to see more of that in the future. Brilliant. We're moving in the right direction, but there's still a lot of work to be done. Yes. Yes. But Fantastic. I definitely think yeah. we've gone f- fast over the last two years uh, <laughs> compared to if we would have normally. But yeah. I think it's all for the good. It's all for the better. Good. No, I agree. I think COVID has dramatically just skyrocketed this thing. I mean, the whole work from home side of things it has been a massive benefit to people within the neurodiverse community, having that flexibility, being able to you know, switch off for a few hours, get back to work, etc. And some fantastic points by you there. So thank you. Thank you very much for that. So I guess the final question then, it's one that I kind of started wrapping up my, my events with in the past, but stepping even a bit away from neurodiversity. What career advice would you give to your younger self? Oh, boy. So that's a good one. Um, I would say my younger self, if I would have known better, is to have a voice and to use it. I think that Mm. that also does touch on the neurodiverse community or any community who feels different, right? Is that don't be afraid to voice your opinion. Don't allow others to make you feel small when you speak. Um, If you found a problem, say it and come up with solutions, give options, right? And really do the right thing. Um, Even if you feel it might put you a little bit at a risk, because I feel like a door will always open to send you in the right direction. And if that company doesn't believe in you, then it's probably better that way. But have your voice and use it. I think I learned that the hard way in my younger life. I used to keep a lot of things quieter. And I learned Mm -hmm. that there was a defining moment in my early days where I I was a little bit shyer to use my voice and I didn't push as hard as I should have. And I think that moment defined me. And from then on, I have, if I, I see something, I say something, Gosh. but I provide solutions, right? And I think it's to be the voice for not only yourself, but for others and align that voice with your purpose. And I think that's going to help you go a long way. Love that. Find your voice. Yes. Yep. Brilliant. Good stuff. Well, um, to everyone listening, if you do want to find out more about neurodiversity or you want to connect with the uh, Threat Association of America, the links will be in the show notes. Um, if you want to connect with Christy, we'll also put her LinkedIn in there. And do check out her YouTube channel. I know it's you, you said it's par- primarily run by your boys now, but definitely would recommend checking out that channel. But Christy, t- thank you so much for doing this podcast with me. It was really, really insightful and I really enjoyed it. No, thank you. I'm very happy to be here. And hopefully I provided some useful information for those out there and happy to connect with anybody outside um, on LinkedIn. Brilliant. All right, Christy, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for another truly inspirational podcast episode. Biotalent Social is a part of Biotalent. We're a life sciences specialist recruitment agency with offices across the US in Boston and LA, in the UK, in London and Manchester, and in wider Europe in Zug, Switzerland and Dublin, Ireland. We specialize in the full spectrum of life sciences from pre-clinical all the way to commercial. Reach out to find out more on our website, www.biotalent.com. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for our next episode.